You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Kevin again from Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits. Uh, we're back. Uh, we, we, we're going to continue to keep talking. We've been getting positive feedback. You know, we come here and we really sit around the campfire and unpack our bags and we talk about race. We talk about our differences. We talk about culture uh, because we believe that communication is the key to our survival. We have to talk. Uh, and so I am excited to welcome uh, tonight's guest, uh, Jasmine. Uh, and so welcome. Thank you for tuning in and joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, you seem you seem really excited, now, and and we're excited to have you. Can you start off by letting our listening audience know? Tell us a little bit about you. Everything you think we need to know from education, the background, the childhood, the family, whatever it is you want the listening audience to know about you. Please feel free to share. Okay. Well, I am first and foremost your daughter. We failed to disclose that to the listener. <laughs> But I'm your daughter, which is making this even more exciting for me. Um, I'm a 28-year-old woman who has a four-year-old daughter. She'll be five in November. I'm currently expecting a little boy, um, getting married next month. So all that fun stuff is going on. I am a brand new lawyer. I got sworn in to the South Carolina Bar in May of this year. Um, I'm a prosecutor, what South Carolinians call a solicitor. I consider myself, this is always hard because there's so many things floating around about who I feel like I am. But um, I think one of the most important things about me is who I am in Jesus Christ and what I believe um, he allows me to do or what he allows himself to do through me for the kingdom. So I think that's one big part of who I am. Um, I love God. I love to worship. I just, I'm just who I am. <laughs> just who you are. And just so you know, you kind of spoiled the mystery because I was going to let everybody know that you was my daughter at the end of the podcast, no, but it's all good. You can cut it oh, off. No, 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 no. It's all good. Uh, and so you mentioned, uh, you know, you are, uh, you allow God to work, you know, you, you're, you're, you're amazed and, and you allow God to work through you. Can you dig a, dig a little deeper and, and go into what you mean or, or give us something uh, specific? Yeah. Um, I can try. I know from a young age, I remember from a young age, I can't call the number specifically, but being told pretty much all my life that there was an anointing on me, things like that, before I even knew what that even meant. You know what I mean? Um, I believe that God allows each of us to go through things never for ourselves alone, but just to kind of put on display his glory and his power and the things that he can do. So I believe that he has used me multiple times just to kind of show 
the people around me who he is. So that's what I mean by that. I think that he um, speaks through me sometimes. I think that he definitely manifests himself through the gifts that he's given me. So that's that's kind of the essence of what I meant by that. Okay. okay. All right. That's, that's pretty dope, especially for a, a young lady at your age to really get it. You know what I'm saying? And realize that that's a, that's something that I do. That's something that I admire about you. Um, you alluded to, you said God allows us to sometimes go through some things, right? So, you know, my next question is, is can you share with us some of the, the personal and uh, professional challenges that you've experienced along your way? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, personally, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is just getting pregnant at the age that I did and having to make a conscious decision, even though his will would have been done regardless of the decision that I made, I believe, but having to make a conscious decision, okay, God still has a plan for me. I can still carry that plan out. Getting pregnant at, I I wasn't terribly young. I was 22. I was still an undergrad, but I just thought my life was over. (laughs) I just thought my life was over. I had ruined not only the plans I had for myself, but I had ruined God's plans for me. But I I still did and became everything I believe he's called me to be. So that's one of the biggest things that I kind of, I think, talk about, even just amongst my peers. It's kind of like, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do to mess up God's plan for our lives. We don't have that much power. And that was kind. that's kind of like a humbling in a sense, it's like, wow, look at God, but it also humbles you a little bit because sometimes we think that we have so much power or so much influence in our own lives that we have the ability to mess up his plan for us, but it's just not true because his plan is his plan and will always prevail. So that's kind of the biggest takeaway. Um, professionally, whew, it's a time. <laughs> It's a time. Um, so I am a black female in a predominantly male, predominantly white male profession. Um, knew I wanted to be an attorney since forever. I was in elementary school saying that I wanted to be a lawyer. Didn't even know what a lawyer was, but I wanted to be a lawyer. And I believe God gave me that vision and that foresight because that's the plan that he had for me before I even knew what that what that even meant. But um I held on to that. I held on to it, went all the way up to college, determined that I was going to be this lawyer and was told to my face by someone um, relatively close to me in the same ROTC battalion as myself that I couldn't be a lawyer because I speak with Ebonics. And it was just interesting because growing up where I grew up, I was not really, there might be prejudice and racism or whatever a mist, but it's not just like slam out in your face like that. It's kind of like people probably just feel how they feel internally, but I really had never had a face-to-face encounter with being kind of um, minimized or looked down upon because of who I am, where I come from, how I speak, because I'm too black. Essentially, 
I was told you will never be an attorney because you speak too black. We know what Ebonics means. So um, that was that that was a serious blow to me because you're impressionable as a college student. First of all, I'm hours away from my family, my support system, my safety net. And I have someone tell me this to my face and it's kind of like, maybe he's right. You know, it's a big, it's a big blow to your self-esteem, to your ego. Sometimes it would even make you question, made me question if I was really hearing God's plan for me. So that, um, wow. but I overcame that obstacle, you know? And I did become that lawyer, <laughs> and I still speak in Ebonics, so you know. Yeah, yeah. So, how, I mean, you know, how did it make you feel? Now, and and I know, uh, real talk. I mean, I know how it made you feel because I remember the night you called home and you shared that with me. You know, what I'm saying you was four and a half hours away. You know, what I'm saying I, I mean, I was. You know, I, I'm like okay. I'm ready to get in the car and go, you know what I'm saying? But, I, you know, but I knew you had to, you know, you had to go through that. You had to work that out. You, But how did that make you feel when, when, when this individual said to you, you can't be, you can't be an attorney because you talk funny or, you know what I'm saying? Or you, 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 your dialect is not going to allow you. How, I mean, was, were you surprised? Did it hit you right then? Did it, was it a delayed effect? How did you feel when it happened? So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where somebody catches you so off guard that you don't even know how to respond. This person was sitting in my car <laughs> and had and said okay. this to me, and I did not know how to respond. I was so taken aback, but it didn't, it was like a sting in the moment. But over time, that thing kind of really... I can't even explain it. It was almost like a a nagging because I genuinely did start to believe that in in um I guess in conjunction with the fact that I went to high school and did exceptionally well in high school, straight A student, all of these things, super involved. Then I went to this predominantly white institution and I felt so small on campus. I was I was often one the only black student in my class sometimes. I just wasn't excelling academically like I was used to. So I already felt out of my element. And then to hear that, it's kind of like, maybe he's right. So it did, I internalized it. And it did affect me in a way that made me feel like um, I wasn't capable. So for a while, I re it really did make me believe what he has said to me, what he said to me about me, <laughs> you know? So I think um, later on, it fueled my fire. And I'm, I wish that was my reaction initially. I wish I was like, oh, he said I can't do it. Let me show him. But I mean, I'm human. And, you know, sometimes it takes a minute to get there. But I had to grow in who I was to even get to that, to get to that point where I can say, it doesn't matter what he thinks I can do. I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I had that vision from a child for a reason. So can no, can no um boy on nobody campus tell me, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I had to be. Yeah, yeah I feel you, you know. It's a journey to becoming sure in yourself and becoming sure 
and who God is in your life. He mm-hmm. has the final say so, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to tell to tell a story without telling a story. You know what I'm saying? I know the whole story. Uh, but you mentioned that this person was sitting in your car. Can you, can you, oh. why were they in your car? How did, you know what I'm saying? Let, I mean, because people need to really feel right. what you're saying. You know, because okay. a lot of times when, when, when something, you know, people that are 500 miles away talking right. trash about you, whatever, you know what I'm saying? You just kind of brush it off. People that you never see again, you whatever, they don't know me. But it always hits close to home when it's somebody that knows you or you, ex- you, 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 it's the least place you would even expect something like that to come Absolutely. from. So you can't tell a story without telling the story. Okay. This probably, this might be the first time I've like fully told this story in its entirety, but, um, well, we having a safe conversation. We are. Okay. Um, yeah. So I kind of alluded to it, but didn't get into detail. I was in the ROTC program at Furman University. It was the Army branch, and I was gung-ho about this thing. Like, I knew I was going through this ROTC program. I was going to graduate and be an officer. I was going to be a JAG officer, and that's how I was going to start my legal career. Like, I was set on doing it. So I get there, and I'm doing it, and um, it's hard, but I'm doing it. This guy who told me that I could not be an attorney because of the way I spoke happened to be in the same battalion as me. He was in my ROTC program. So I'm PTing with him every morning. I'm sitting in class with him every day. Um, it's not like, like you said, somebody 500 miles away or whatever. This is somebody that I'm seeing every day. And so to be honest with you, even the day after he said that to me, every time I would see him, I would think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it was that real because nobody had ever said anything like that to me. And so it was just a constant reminder of you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Not only that, I remember being slower on my run than everybody. I remember not being able to make it through PT tests. So it was rough. Like I was really what I what I would consider out here failing. I was failing and then here he come telling me what else I can't do. But this particular night was either a Tuesday or Thursday night. And I know that because Furman University has this thing that they do where you go to the pump house (laughs) on Tuesday or Thursday night. The pump house was a local bar type situation, but it turned into almost like a club on Tuesday and Thursday nights. Yeah, it was club-ish. It wasn't really like club, club. (laughs) But anyway, it was as club as it could get for where we were, if you understand what I'm saying. We had, um, we were there and being college students or whatever, got back on campus. It's raining. It's dark. I'm driving. It's me and my homegirl. I'll never forget it. I, I can even see where we were driving. He's walking on the side of the road in the rain. So I'm like, shoot, that's so-and-so from my program. Let me see what's up. Wind down my window. Hey, you need a ride? Yeah. He get in my car. <laughs> he gets in the car. Um, And we just kind of talking. He had been to the pump house too. Um, We're just kind of talking. And then he says, this is how he prefaces his question. Waits, you don't think I'm racist, do you? And I was like, no, 
But in my head, I'm like, well, if you got to ask me that something is wrong, maybe, you know? So I was like, no. He said, okay, because I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But I know you want to be an attorney. And I know a lot of lawyers. I have a lot of lawyers in my family. And I just don't think it's going to work out for you. I don't think you can be an attorney because you speak in Ebonics. And like I said, I was so taken aback that I didn't have a response. But my friend that was in the car with me, like she she was like, yes, she can. <laughs> she was like, yes, she can. Don't tell her what she can do. But I didn't say anything. I literally did not stand up for myself. I just kind of, I was so shocked. And um, so I dropped him off. I kind of laughed it off or whatever, dropped him off. We pull up to his dorm room. <laughs> And it's this huge Confederate flag in his window. And I asked him about the flag. I was like, why do you have that big flag in your window like that? He said, it's not mine. It's my roommate's. I said, okay, whatever. He got out the car. That was the end of that. Um, But like I said, I had to see him every day. And it was just a different vibe <laughs> from that point on. But that's how that happened. Me trying to help somebody out. You walking in the rain. I'm like, let me give you a ride. And he's going to turn around. You know? It was very yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you survived that, man, because, you know, there there is something that I call dream killers. Mm-hmm. And they out here every day, you know they what I'm saying, trying to suck the life out of people, trying to suck their dreams, their goals. And, and sometimes people aren't strong enough to overcome that. So mad props to you on that. Um, just surviving it because, I, you know, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. So, you. you know, you moved on from from undergrad, you graduated, and you went to law school. And so, how how hard was law school, and how did you survive? Well, law school was extremely hard um, for me, Whew, because I kind of went into law school half-heartedly. I kind of went into law school um, after having sat out a year. I sat out a year between, I had a gap year between undergrad and my starting law school because, as I stated, I had, I got pregnant in undergrad. I gave birth to my daughter in November um, of the same year that I graduated from undergrad, and I kind of took some months off with her Then I started working as the front desk receptionist at the solicitor's office, which is where I currently practice law. But um, I went in feeling I was down on myself. I really was down on myself. I remember coming off a vacation of a friend's, actually being on vacation with my friend. Um, We were in Belize and it was nice. It's just a nice place. And it's awesome that I always think about it now. I was so young. But I was traveling the world like I it was it was crazy. The place that I was in mentally when physically I was in such a like I was in a nice tropical, just beautiful place. And so you would think, oh, she's all happy and things. But I was so down on myself. I remember one of my letters. Do you remember this? (laughs) One of my letters from law school um, came to the house when I was on this trip and it was a rejection letter. 
And I remember that thing just set, like, the whole rest of the trip was awful for me because I was like, dang, I can't even get into law school. And here again, I'm coming off of being told you can't do it. And I'm feeling like you can't do it. But I'm like, something in me is like, give it one more shot because you got this little girl now looking at you. That's what really fueled my fire. It was like, you got this girl to set an example for now. It's not just about you anymore. You have somebody to not only you know, somebody that's not only looking up to you, but you got to be able to provide for, you know? So it was kind of like, just, just try. And so I did. And I got two, I think two or three, it was three rejection letters. And I was like, dang, that's it. I'm not going. (laughs) I'm not going. It was kind of confirmation. But then I got that one that one yes. And that was all I needed. That was my way in. That was my open door. And um, I just remember my self-esteem being really low my first year of law school because I didn't graduate top of my class from Furman University. I didn't feel like I was super qualified to be an attorney. I um actually went to law school five hours away from my one-year-old daughter. And that was extremely hard for me. I think that was the hardest part. The um the work was hard, but it was just the the mom guilt of it all. The mom guilt and just missing her and I'm like, dang, am I doing the right thing? I'm out here five hours away. Like I remember my classmates would want to go out and maybe have a drink or do whatever. And I would be feeling like I don't want to have fun because my child's not here with me and I don't deserve to have fun because I left my daughter at home with my parents. But so that played a big part in my law school experience as well. But um, some things happened and I ended up back at one of the schools that didn't accept me from the beginning. And that's where I actually graduated law school from. But um, even still, I remember studying for that bar exam that thing almost took me out <laughs> and Not you know because you saw it <laughs> that thing almost took me out of here it was a time it was I don't even really know how to explain when people ask me what it's like going through law school going through studying for the bar I don't know how to put it into words it's just kind of like it's like no ex- no other experience I've ever had it's grueling. It's kind of like work, 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 work. I remember one time mama called me during my first year and she was like, what you doing? And I told her, I told her I was studying and she was like, dang, you can't take a break. <laughs> and I was thinking like, no, I can't. <laughs> but um, to be honest, it kind of made me realize that I could do it. I was I was complaining and it was hard and I was in the middle of it, but I was doing it. And I had never worked that hard at anything in my life. I skated through middle school, skated through high school, skated through Furman University. But when I when I got to law school, I had to put in some serious work. And so it showed me that I was capable. So it was a bittersweet um situation. Wow. But you made it. You made it. I did. So let me ask you this. So you 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 made the sacrifice. Like you said, you you went to law school uh five hours away from your daughter and your family. You know, you finished up uh closer to home. Yeah, I mean it it was a sacrifice, it sounds like. 
for your family. And, and, and I can understand and I can feel you on that. But shifting gears, how important do you think it is for people of color to see people that look like them within the legal system? especially an African-American female. How important so is that? Important. So important because I have to be honest. I don't even know if I've ever told you this, but I know you know. Growing up, people used to like make jokes about the fact that I was the police daughter. They'd be like, oh, you the fast. Oh, you can't talk to her. You can't say nothing around her. You can't do nothing around her. You um you 12, like they would make it, it was such a negative connotation around anything law enforcement. You um you a police officer, you bad. You a judge, you're bad, you're a lawyer, you're bad. And I'm that really affected me because I'm like, I know one personally, very personally. Like I used to be out here defending your honor. <laughs> but it was okay. it wasn't even just because you were my dad, but I knew <laughs> I knew the heart that you had for people in general. So it's kind of like it would really discourage me to see my friends, my peers, or just the community at large clumped together, all police officers when something terrible happened. And yes, something many terrible things did happen, but we can't just clump the whole legal and judicial systems together and say every part of it is bad there are some really bad parts of it you know but I wanted to somehow infiltrate the system and I know it sounds crazy because I'm one person and it sounds crazy to me but I heard it directly from God somehow I don't know if I'm gonna start it if I'm gonna just start the change or become part of the change or whatever but some kind of way he's gonna use me to change the way people see the system and so that's kind of where I'm at with it I'm like I said I'm brand new I'm still getting my footing I don't feel completely comfortable in my job yet that I know what I'm doing but I feel as though I'm where I'm supposed to be and it does have a lot to do with just maybe maybe to some extent just being in place for people that look like me to see me makes a lot of sense and I can I can I can relate you know what I'm saying I remember being in law enforcement and being a police chief just you know it it gives um it should get every it should give everybody hope but it it definitely gives kids that look just like you and me hope today I can do something positive doesn't matter where I come from doesn't matter how the race starts along the journey like you said earlier I can I can switch it up you know what I'm saying I can I can turn lemons into lemonade right mm-hmm. so that's that's pretty cool um so there's been a lot of controversy and talk about CRT critical race theory and mm-hmm. we're not going to go deep into that I mean we know what it is it's it's, it's a, a theory um pretty much that our our entire uh, system in America uh, was is is built on systemic racism. We're not we're not getting in that. But I bring that word up because we've talked and 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 you told me you shared something to me one one time about what you felt uh, you felt like God gave you something mm-hmm. and it's called the critical grace theory, not the critical race R A C E, but the critical grace theory and 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 so i just want to ask you what is it 
where did it come from? You know, because you you still, even though we've talked about it, you still it's still been kind of like a mystery for me. So I'm eager <laughs> to learn in here just like everybody else, you know what I'm saying, about this critical grace theory. You kind of um pulling me out of whatever little mystery box I was in with this because it is a vision um that I have and it really is kind of one of those things that God did give to me and um it's not fully it's not fully developed in in my sense of what it means for something to be fully developed. Like it's not something that I was quite ready to roll out, but I remember just hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and sitting on it. <laughs> but it was nagging me. It was really nagging me to the point that I was like, not I was like, but I heard direction, like I heard from God. Um just make the Instagram. It was almost like he was frustrated. <laughs> he was frustrated wow. with me. Like, just make the Instagram. So I made an Instagram for this thing. And there's nothing on there yet. But I just know, I don't even know exactly what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be like a clothing line or like a blog or what. But initially, I remember... um when I first heard it, it was just a play on words like critical race theory. Like you said, we know what critical race theory is, but it almost, it was just a play on words and it was a different meaning of the word critical instead of critiquing it or critiquing a subject or analyzing a subject. It was critical as in like it's vital and it's pertinent and it's necessary for us to have grace for ourselves. But that's not how it started. It started as me thinking like, you know, God's grace for us is sufficient and that's a part of it. But this thing really is about showing yourself grace. And the reason I know that's what it's about is because earlier I said he doesn't allow you to go through anything for no reason or allow you to go through anything just for yourself. It's often for other people. So the reason I can say I know whatever critical grace theory turns out to be is about showing yourself grace is because I had found myself in a season maybe for the past, I was about to say the past year, but maybe all my life, honestly, of trying to learn how to show myself grace. I am so hard on myself. And Oftentimes, I'm mean to myself. I say things to myself I would never say to somebody else. <laughs> you know, um, I'm just, I. one example is, like I said, I'm a brand new lawyer. And I say brand new because I feel like I'm fresh out. <laughs> I feel like I'm fresh out. Just sworn in in May. I'm not, a, I'm not very experienced. I'm learning. Um, it hasn't even been a year for me. But two weeks on a job, I'm frustrated because I don't know how to do the job. <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, yeah. If maybe if my daughter says something to me, um, or let's, let's, let's use this because she's four and she'd be saying stuff, but sometimes you just got to let this stuff roll off. If I forget something that I needed to send to school with her or whatever, it's just whatever it is, you make a small mistake and you beating yourself up about it. Or, 
you give more grace to the people around you than you do to your own self. You allow somebody, you allow a friend to come in and out of your life or you allow, you know what I mean? Just you give more, you extend more grace to the, to the people around you than you do to yourself. So I think this is all about just learning how to love on yourself to, um, not only love on yourself, but maybe love on yourself the way that God loves you. And that's unconditionally. And that's through the mistakes. And that's through the mess ups. And it's just kind of like also realizing that God does not want per- perfect people. And that it's okay not to be perfect. That's hard for me. Um, And it's just the past maybe two years that I realized that I had these issues of trying to be a perfectionist. Or, you know, it's just like, calm down. (laughs) It's okay. Because what I said earlier, there's nothing I can do to mess up his plan for me. But um, I just, I think grace is a huge theme in my own personal life right now. And I believe that some kind of way, me going through the things that I go through, namely anxiety, namely depression, me going through those things and still learning and hearing from God how to give myself grace going through those things is truly going to bless somebody later on down the road. It could be blessing somebody now. It's interesting. Like you just, sometimes you look at people and you don't necessarily know the demons they struggle with or know the inner workings of people or know how they truly operate in the world. I have people all the time DM me like, I just look up to you so much or you don't know how much you've um inspired me whole time. I'm over here. I be tripping. <laughs> so it's just interesting. It's like people maybe take a step back and look at what you have accomplished. Look at what you are doing. And that's another thing I think that I do. I kind of focus on what I'm not enough of, what I can't do enough of, or what I what I didn't do, you know. But sometimes you just got to really take a step back and look where you came from and where you are now, all the things you have accomplished. So that's part of it, I think. Like I said, it's not fully developed yet, but it does have to do. And when I think about it, it's for everybody. But I think that my, I don't, I almost want to use the word ministry. So I'm going to use it. But I think that my ministry will be for young black women I think that oh lord it's a whole conversation that could be had I just think that we are conditioned to be strong no matter what you can't have a you can't have a um, mental breakdown or you can't have a time where you need a break or you can't like you're just not expected. You're always just expected to be strong. And part of giving your, yourself grace is realizing that sometimes you don't have to be. Because when you're weak, God is strong. You have people, you have people that God places around you that you can lean on when you are weak. So I think that it's geared largely towards black women, younger black women. Oh, I mean whoever but that's who when I when I think of this I'm thinking of like me you know what I mean 
That's pretty awesome. So as you was talking about it, because like I said, this has all been a mystery to me. And so I appreciate you coming on Safe Conversations and, and, and trusting this platform to be able to talk about it. So y'all heard it first here, critical grace theory. But what I heard, Jasmine, uh, was in the, in the one word that you didn't use, and I'm not telling you, but th this is the word I heard. I'm not telling you what to say. I'm not telling right. you what it is because this thing was birthed through you. But the one word that I heard was forgiveness. Mm. And that's a hard thing for people to do. You know what I'm saying? We can forgive our friends and family and, you know, but when you keep talking about grace and, and how the word critical is not a, in, being judgmental in this case, but critical is, is, is just stressing the importance of the grace. So, you know, I'm translating as you talking to my mind and I'm like, okay, it's important for people to be able to forgive themselves. Absolutely. Is what I heard. You, you know listen, you I, that I thing and you broke it down because I think oh, that that's what I heard when you were talking. I think that's a big, I think grace is probably the umbrella, but I think self-love comes under there. Definitely self-forgiveness. Yeah, definitely self-forgiveness. Um, that's awesome that you said that because one of the, one of the things that I've kind of been repeating to myself lately, kind of like an affirmation, but also just a reminder. And I wrote it, I have it written down. But it's that my self-worth is not contingent upon how well I perform. And so if I have a bad day on Monday, I'm still worthy. If I have a, you know, if I, I'm a mom, like I said, to a four-year-old, if, if she frustrates me to the point where I snap, you know, you apologize and you move on. You can't internalize every little mistake or slip up that you have. You'll never, you'll never get anywhere like that. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty heavy. And, and I, I hope you continue to, you know, think on it and, and, you know, and build on it and, and let it out. I know you busy being a prosecutor. I know it. I know you busy getting married. You know what I'm saying? I know you busy being a mom times two. I know you busy, but there are people out there across the world that need to hear about the critical grace theory. I don't know if it's a blog. I don't know if it's a book. I don't know if it's a podcast. I don't know what it is, but I do know you can't continue to sit on it. You know what I'm saying? You, you got it. You got it. You got to share it with the world because it is critical, mm -hmm. right? It is critical um, that you help people understand that it's okay to go a little easy on yourself. It's okay to forgive yourself. It's it, it's critical to forgive it's yourself. Necessary. So, uh, it's necessary. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty dope. And I can't wait to see and hear how this whole thing just kind of comes to life. And so for our listening viewers, you heard it first here tonight, the critical grace theory. Uh, I'm proud. I'm proud now. I'm going to tell you now, I'm, re I'm real proud. So switching gears, why do you think civility is such an issue today? I know we've had some many, many, many issues of social uh, uh, injustice. Um, I know we had a pandemic, but people just aren't as nice as they used to be. What, what do you think is, what do you, what, from your mindset, what, what's causing it? Mm, that's tough. But the first kind of, the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is 
I'm trying to figure out how to say it. I think a lot of us right now <laughs> and for the past two years have just been kind of walking around in our own mess, like in our own little world. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people may not just even have have it to really care about other people. And it's sad mm-hmm. because I think we are definitely better and stronger together but i also just Mm -hmm. think things have been so hard for everyone that it's just kind of like you elbowing your way through if that makes sense if you can see that i can see everything in my mind it's just kind of like head down i gotta get through you know it i don't know that's a tough question to answer yeah yeah and i think for me you know i thought about it um Previously, you know, when I, when I thought about asking that question to you, um, you know, a lot of tough issues going on across the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you you if it's a cake, you got you got the cake, you know, the social injustice, the, you know, the, all kind of stuff going on. Right. And then you come over the top of that cake with the icing of a pandemic. Right. And so all of a sudden, people who are who are already seen a lot uh, going through a lot you isolate them. Right. And so when people are isolated, you spend a lot of time paying attention to yourself. You see what I'm saying? You're not out and about all day because hey, when we on our hustle, actually we spend more time at work than we do at home. Right. Mm -hmm. But when this pandemic hit, we, you know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people were like, I'm looking in this mirror and I don't like what I see. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And they don't know which way to go. They don't know what to do, but Civility is a real issue, and uh, and I just hope that as time moves forward, we can continue to talk. You know, what I'm saying, have these safe conversations, and and lift that fog. You know, what I'm saying, lift that fog. Absolutely, that is a good point. You just kind of you don't have a choice. We haven't had a choice um, with this pandemic, especially when it first broke out. Like you didn't have a choice but to sit with yourself. And sitting with yourself is different now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's see, different. You see, yeah, you see every every pimple, every dark spot, every wrinkle. You know what I'm saying? You really unconsciously, not even trying to do it, you really take a deep look and examine yourself. And uh, but anyway, again, I hope we uh we get out of that fog. So we're winding down. I've thoroughly enjoyed our time. Uh, I got one more major question for you. So the question is, is if you were on an elevator, right, with the CEO of the world and you had two minutes to do an elevator pitch and give them advice on creating a more inclusive environment for everybody, all people, what would you say? Hmm. I would just tell him or her to give people understanding i think that's a lot of what's missing i think um and not even just that you fully just understand right off the bat someone else's life experience but you are willing to understand and you are willing to listen and learn a lot of people just don't care um um i hear it all the time um i think you've even talked about this on this platform 
But slavery was 400 something years ago. It didn't have nothing to do with me. Um, Y'all need to get over it. Maybe try to apply some understanding to why we have not gotten over it. Or you walk in and somebody in your office seems like they got an attitude instead of internalizing it and thinking, oh, I wonder what's wrong with so-and-so and why they acting so stink. Maybe maybe try to have a conversation. Well, what's going on? You know, just I think compassion for one, but understanding and just taking the time to really hear people, hear and listen to people, if that makes sense. If he could, if he or she, whoever the CEO of the world is, could somehow hand people some understanding and compassion in a little package, I think this world would be such a better place. I really do. Wow. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that you would talk to the uh, CEO about empathy, people having empathy, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? trying to put themselves in someone else's you know, position to understand their perspective. And you hit the nail on the head when you said it ain't even really about fully understanding. Right. Because it's hard. You know, people say all the time, oh, Jasmine, I know you went through with uh, with that guy saying that uh, you couldn't be an attorney because you talk with. No, they don't. It didn't happen to them. Right. Right. So all they can really do is try to understand. And I think we get it twisted. You know, empathy doesn't mean that you automatically get it. It means that you're trying. And if somebody knows your heart is sincere and you really care about what they went through, you acknowledge that something happened. Then we can build trust from that. Absolutely. I even so that's, like that's pretty awesome. Kind of, sorry, I liken that to kind of how God deals with us because, like I say, He doesn't want perfect people, and He He knows we're not gonna hit the mark every time, and we're gonna miss it more than we hit it probably. But when He sees that effort, He's proud. If I know you trying to get me, you trying to understand me, you trying to hear me, that makes that makes people feel good just to know that somebody that's out right. there cares enough to try. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome. It's really been awesome. Would you come back on one day? I would. I really would. This okay. was an awesome experience for me. Just sitting down, getting a talk to my daddy on his wonderful Ain't platform. Ain't that something? Right. That's pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool. So I do want to say something while I got you on here. Okay. I'm proud of you. Thank I'm you. Proud of you. I'm proud of you. Um, I watch you as a as a mother. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you uh, because uh, I'm about to see you be a wife. I'm proud of you because you know, despite the challenges, don't cry. Don't I'm cry. Not, you see me. Despite the <laughs> despite the challenges uh, you face so far, you here. You know what I'm saying. I'm proud of the fact that you understand where your strength comes from. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And you're not in a world where you just also, um, I take you being, I don't take you being on this platform and, and taking the time to talk to me for granted at all. I really am outside of a podcaster. I'm a proud dad. So I just want to say that out loud for the whole world to hear. I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing and keep on keeping on. You're going in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? And I, I look forward to hearing and seeing this whole critical race theory. Sorry, critical grace theory thing evolve. I'm 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 really excited about seeing it evolve because I know 
uh, people, people need that. People thirsty for that. Right. I mean, like right now, like if you wrote a blog next week, it'd just be crazy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people are thirsty for that. So I'm proud of you. Uh, if somebody wanted to reach out, maybe, maybe a, a young lady wanting to do the same thing or just anybody just wanted to reach out to you to maybe get some encouragement. Mm-hmm. How could they do that? Well, um, my Facebook is just my name, Jasmine Waits. It's Jasmine without an E, so J-A-S-M-I-N Waits. My Instagram is underscore Jasmine Janae, J-A-N-A-Y. Critical Grace Theory does have an Instagram. If y'all want to just slide over there and tap follow, but <laughs> nothing is on there yet. But I promise I'm going to develop this thing. So those are well, those are the ways you can reach me. I do have to tell you that now, now you put it, put your uh, handle out there on Instagram for critical grace theory. You might want to get to work on some content. You know I what I'm saying? Know. I mean, you, you people, people thirsty for it. So again, thank you uh, for joining me on safe conversations where we really unpack and talk about stuff. And I always remind our listening audience, do not get it twisted just because it's safe. Doesn't mean it's soft. You know what I'm saying? We really work to unpack our bags and find a better understanding of each other so we can all move forward together. I want to tell you. Tell something. me. Come on. Bring it back. So. Tell me. Proud of me. I'm proud of you. Because me, a lot of who I am today is because of you and my mama. Me knowing where my strength come from. Definitely you and my mom. The way y'all brought me up. Y'all made sure I knew who God was. So that's one thing. Also, this platform in itself definitely needed today like you have been raised up for a time such as this i'm i'm in awe honestly sometimes just to see the direction god has taken your life in and i do feel like crying it's just awesome to bear witness to it um i'm just extremely proud of you people need to hear these conversations and this definitely is a safe space so keep doing what you're doing so just just the way you're proud of me i'm proud of you too and i think i'm honored to have been a guest on on your show (laughs) well i appreciate that i appreciate that i really do Uh, from the the bottom of my heart i I really do appreciate that all right right. so that's it for this week give you a hug you gonna come down the hallway and give me a hug? Okay, thank you so much. All right, y'all heard it, y'all. I appreciate everybody tuning in. And until next time, peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.